Welcome to the East Coast Believers Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope this inspires and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's Pastor Norm. We're living in a, such a unique day and such a unique age. How many know that the Bible really is the answer to all of our problems? The Bible foresaw the time that we're living in and the day that we're living in. And in fact, there's a verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it says, you should know this. Paul wrote this to a, a young man named Timothy, and he said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, I just, you, you might not believe it, but I just happen to believe it, that we are living in the last days. And he said, but there, there's going to be some very difficult times. And I, I, I don't know if you recognize this, but we're living in the last days, and we just have experienced some, some very difficult times. And God knew this day was coming and, and God knew that we wouldn't have to be alone. God's never shocked by the coronavirus, COVID-19. He's not shocked by terrorism and the swings of the economy. We were just living in difficult days. Listen, God's not even shocked that they ran out of toilet paper in America this week. You know, he knew that it's going to be difficult today. And, and he prepared us for this. But here's what I think our response should be to this because the world is experiencing an epidemic of fear right now. I'm not so much concerned about the pandemic that we're experiencing with COVID-19 so much as I'm concerned about how much fear is running rampant in our society today. Matthew 6 and verse 32 says this, people who don't know God and the way he works, they worry over these things. There's a lot of people that are really worrying today over these things. And what I want to show you is he said that you should know God not know that God exists, know about God, but know him in a real intimate way. And that is what I'm trying to attempt to do in the next 30 minutes that I have with you is to draw you a little bit closer to God. Because here's the verse. We're in the middle of a series right now. And this, what's going on, kind of ties right into this. In James chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we want to draw. And I, I just couldn't even believe this was true, but it really was. The rest of this verse says, wash your hands. And uh, I thought, you know, you've got to read the Bible that way sometimes. It just really is funny sometimes. And uh, he said, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Wash your hands. I just thought that was funny. But, but draw near to God. And so we're waiting. We're like, what do we do? What are we going to do? How are, how are we going to handle this? What's our response to this? You want to know what it is, everybody? Draw near to God. Get as close to God as you possibly can, and God will draw near to you. The answer is, we need peace right now. And the answer to that is getting as close as you can to God. And the closer we, can, we come to God, the more we're going to experience his peace in our life. The reality of it is, God knew this time was coming. God knew there was going to be COVID-19. God knew there was going to be terrorism in the day that we live in. God knew that we're living in the last days, and he gave us a warning that in these last days there's going to be difficult times. The truth is you can't pray away prophecy. We're going to see more and more of these things pop up. But what God did promise you is this, that he would be with you. Here's what I want you to know. God did not plan. I believe one day that Jesus is coming back. And God did not plan for the church to be hiding in caves, eating granola in the last days. He wanted us to be a force on the earth. He wanted us, us to be the difference makers in our communities and in our homes. And so we're, we're titling this series simply just draw near, to draw near to God. And I wanna, how I want to unpack this today with you 
is I want to tell you a story about Jesus. And here's the reason I want to tell you a story about Jesus. is because in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul, he wrote the scripture. He said, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's masterstroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches in the latest philosophy. Can I just tell you right now, now's not the time to be turning to latest the latest philosophies or polished speeches. Now's the time, everybody, to turn to God's word. God's word addressed the situation that we're going through right now. And Paul said, I, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. And this, that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to keep it as plain and simple. We want to talk about Jesus who he is, and then what he did, Jesus crucified. Can I tell you, everybody, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did 2,000 years ago when he walked on this earth, he wants to do in your life today. What I'm trying to let you know is worry is going to try to creep in. We're going to find ourselves in a spot. And how would, how would Jesus address what was going on? How would Jesus address a storm? that came out of nowhere. To be honest with you, six weeks ago, I heard about COVID-19. We all heard about it over in Asia and China. And I have some missionary friends there, and I thought, man, I feel bad for what they're going through. And even prayed for them, reached out to them, but never really expected in any way for this to even affect us even a little bit. And if it did, it would be very minimal, we thought. But here we find ourselves today where our nation has declared a national emergency where schools are being shut down and people are being isolated and things are just different today. What would Jesus do when things didn't turn out the way we thought they were going to turn out? I remember years ago, um, Dean and I, when we first got married 26 years ago, we, our, our second year of marriage, we moved overseas to France as missionaries to start a Bible school and, and help church over there. And, and, um, and we've, on our third day there, we borrowed a friend's car, a couple we were working with, we borrowed their car, and they had three daughters, and one of the daughters came with us. And they asked us, they said, um, uh, you, you wanted to have her come with you? We said, sure. And so she's probably about six or seven years old at the time. And uh, we, were gonna, we went to the real estate agent to go look at apartments to rent, our home to rent. And we went all over town, a little small town called Plaisir, right outside of Versailles. And um, we drove all through town. And, and this is back in the days, everybody. Let me set the stage for you. This is 25 years ago, no GPS. Um, remember, the days, remember the days of maps in your glove box? Well, that was us, you know. And, and I know our kids can't even believe that to be true, that we had maps that we actually looked at. And, um, and so, so we went out looking at these different places. We went to multiple places. And, um, and you know, the, and the truth is, is Dean and I, I'm just, uh, I can't ex explain it, but when I saw Dina, man, I know I don't believe in love at first sight, but it felt like love at first sight. We've had this storybook romance, and there's just something about Dina, even to this day, when I see her, it makes my heart go pitter-patter. Just something about her that when she walks into the room, no matter who's doing what, she gets my attention in and, and, and just all these years. But I want to be transparent today. We don't do well when she's holding the map and I'm driving. All those feelings of romance and pitter-pattering go out the window. And so we've had some of our biggest arguments over, over those days before we had GPS, because the GPS is never wrong. But I thought she was wrong holding the map back then. And so we got, 
So we, we got to look at these homes, and then we started heading back to where we were staying, and we got lost. And Dina pulled up the map, and she says, well, where are we supposed to go? I said, you know what? I don't even know where we're supposed to go. I don't remember the address of the home we're staying in. I don't even remember the neighborhood of the home we're staying in. And she pulled out the map, and she says, I don't even know where to look at this map to where to go to. Then she said to me, why don't you go ask someone, pull over at a gas station and ask someone for directions. I said, Dina, I would if I knew where to ask them to go to. I don't even know where to ask them. And we went into this, we got into this war. She's in the passenger seat and I'm in the front seat driving and we're just driving in circles around this town. And then all of a sudden we had forgotten that there was this little six, seven-year-old girl in the back seat. And she said, she stopped, she goes, Norm? I, says, I said, what, honey? I'm sorry, Ms. Tor. I said, what, honey? I'm sorry we're yelling at each other. And she said, maybe we should pray. And I felt so horrifyingly embarrassed. I said, let's pray. And so we gathered hands. Then I asked, before, then I asked Dina to forgive me for yelling. And, um, you know, and we prayed. And the truth is, God got us back to where we were. We drove for about 15 more minutes, and all of a sudden, we just found ourselves back to where we were. The truth is, I was worried. And here's, here's the reality. Worry is energy lost. And the temptation right now is to worry. And the Bible tells us, worry will add nothing to your life. It'll, ha- it'll add no value to your life. But here's what we'll do. Prayer and worship is, is an investment of your time. Prayer will add value to your life. Worry will take from you. Prayer and worship will add to you. That's why the scripture says, come close to God and God will come close to you. How I want to teach this this morning about what to do when a storm comes is I want to take you to the back, to a story back in the New Testament. And it's the story of Jesus. And Jesus, I'll set the stage for you. This is found in the book of Mark chapter 4. And Jesus had been teaching and, um, to the crowds, to the masses. And then he had got together with his staff right after that. And they sort of had a staff meeting. And, and, and the staff approached him and said, Jesus, we, we don't even understand the things that you're teaching. Can you explain them to us? And Jesus had just a long day. He was tired. And in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, it says, As the evening came, Jesus said, to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. What I want to just share with you this morning is this is really just a typical normal day. Everything's normal. Everything's the same. Everything's routine. Nothing's out of the ordinary. Everything's just normal. Just like it was for us two weeks ago. Everything was normal. Everything was routine. Everything seemed to be going just right along. But here's something that happened. But soon, a fierce storm came up. Out of the middle of nowhere, this storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill it with water. But here's Jesus. He was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. That's what he was doing. He was back there sleeping. And the disciples woke him up, shouting, teacher, Don't you care that we're going to drown? Like, hey, Jesus, don't you notice what's going on? Now, here's the reality of it is we believe that Jesus is peace. And we believe we carry the very presence of God. We believe that we have peace on the inside of us. 
But just like the disciples, when you find yourself in a storm, everybody, I think it's time for us, we have to wake up peace right now. And the disciples realized that they had to wake him up. And it's time for us to wake up peace in our life. And they were shouting, teacher, like, don't you know, like, this is it for us. We're done. And honestly, let me speak to the church. Let me speak to individuals that are followers of Jesus. And I want to remind you that it looks bad. Things are different than they were even two weeks ago. But I want you to know right now, it's really important for you to know this, without a doubt, that Jesus still is Lord. The sky is not falling. We're going to make it through this. What we tend to do is this. In the midst, here's what the disciples did, and we have to be careful because this will rob our peace. We tend to exaggerate the negative. When things are going bad, we just tend to focus on what's wrong. And we tend to just really deep, over and over and over again, we're just talking about it and talking about it, living it and experiencing it. But everybody, I've got some great news for you. Jesus is still the great physician. He is still the great the, the, the healer, that God is still our divine protector. Let me remind you, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, everybody. You need to know that. And sometimes we got to remind ourselves that really that God is still God. we got to remind ourselves that Jesus really is, as I said a moment ago, the great physician. Sometimes we get so busy talking about our problems. Sometimes we get so caught up with how big our problems are. we got to remind our problems how big our God is. we got to remind ourselves that we, we still are sons and daughters of God and we have a covenant with him. Well, as the story goes on, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 39, Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Now, I'm not much of a Greek scholar. In fact, I didn't even take Greek in Bible school, to be honest with you. But they did teach us how to use a concordance. And actually, the truth is, is that this, this word silence, be still, it's one word in the Greek. And this is the word it is. Shh. It's not even a word. It's an expression. Shh. Jesus, when they woke him, they said, hey, we're, we're dying. We're not going to make it. Jesus said, shh. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. I want to I focus on two things here today. There's the wind, and then there's the wave. And Jesus dealt with them both. The wind, these are things that you cannot see. And actually, can I be honest with you? I think it's the biggest problem that we're having right now. We're dealing with the things that we cannot see. It's the fear that comes. It's the thoughts that pop into our mind. These are things that really, these aren't even your thoughts. These are the thoughts that the enemy's putting in your mind. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to our nation? What's going to happen to our country? Are, are we going to be okay? Are we going to make it? And I know we all know that peace is, is for us. And I think it's time for us to trade our worry for worship right now. I think it's time just to switch it around and say, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to worship God. And the wind comes, and sometimes these are things you can't see. Sometimes you just got to stop, and when the thoughts pop into your mind, and when the thoughts come, you just got to say, okay, shh, peace, be still. I know that seems extreme. That seems radical. 
But can I tell you, this is what Jesus had to do when a storm popped up out of the middle of nowhere in his life. Now, here's the second thing that he dealt with. He dealt with the wind, and he also dealt with the waves. What are waves? Waves, those are things that you can see. Those are things that are happening around us right now. Those are, the truth is, I think Christians can get a bad rap during this time because we're not ignoring reality. We, we recognize COVID-19 is real. We know it is. It's a pandemic that's touching the world. And there are hundreds of thousands of people that have been impacted and touched and displaced by this. And these are things that are real. And these are things that we can see. And I am not suggesting in any way to ignore reality. I'm not suggesting in any way to dismiss what doctors and leaders and our government's asking us to do. I'm just reminding you in the midst of all that, that you have authority and there's things that you can do in the midst of all that. Do what Jesus did and go, shh, peace, be still. What I'm asking you to do is to release the very presence and power of God in your life. Come on, everybody. It's really time for the church to be the church today. That's what the time, that's, so what do you do with all this? What do you do with this story? How do you practically apply this story to your life? Because we're going to be tempted to really just take matters into our own hands. We're going to be tempted just to deal with everything in the natural. And I'm not suggesting that you don't do that. Like, you know, we were joking, like Dina was saying, it's a good thing that washing your hands has become fashionable today. But I was washing my hands long before it was fashionable. You know, it is good if you're not feeling well to stay away from people who are well. That's just common sense. But I'm not suggesting that you don't do anything important in your life in dealing with his efforts, but I'm asking you to include God. The verse that the Lord gave me for this is found in the Old Testament. It's found in Isaiah chapter 30. In Isaiah chapter 30, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Like God is just taking a moment and he wants to speak to us right now. The Holy One of Israel says, in repentance, that word repentance means in turning. And, 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 and maybe what I'm suggesting is, is we've turned to the news and there's nothing wrong with that. We've turned to the media. We've turned to professionals. We've done all that and that's good. But maybe it's time to turn more and have a posture towards God right now. Maybe it'd be a good season for our nation and for our churches and the people in our churches to, to turn to God. And he said, and by the way, in rest, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness, in trust is your strength. But here it is. But you would have none of it. Like, it's so hard for us because we want to we fix it. We want to do something about it. He said, but no, you turn to me in all this. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Anytime you see this, the word horses in the Old Testament, it's always a type of your own natural strength. You say, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to take care of this on our own. We're going to do this without God. We're going to do this. And we're not necessarily going to say, no, God, you know, we don't want you. But, but we're just going to, in our actions, we're going to act like God's not really there. He says, therefore, you're going to flee. You're going to do it your way. You said, hey, I'm going to do it my way. We're going to ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. Like, hey, this is a big deal. Like, hey, this, this virus is real. And, and there's other ones out there that we don't even know about. There's all sorts of things that, because we're living in the last days. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. The threat, at the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are like a flagstaff on a mountaintop. 
That's just simply talking about you're all alone. And you just run and you run and you run. Do it on your own. And you're all alone. Like a banner on a hill. I love this about our God, everybody. Yet, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Like God's saying, I so desperately want to be involved in this situation in our community and in your home and in our schools and in your family and in our nation and the nations of the world. He said, I so desperately want to be gracious. Therefore, he will rise uh, up to show you compassion. Three steps about how we can really do what Jesus did and how we can bring peace into our lives, how we can bring peace back into our home, how we can stop for a moment and pause and say, okay, God, we need to have peace in our life. Again, the virus is real. I think probably more, and this is my prayer for you. What I've been praying more than anything for our church, can I be honest with you? I was up early this morning, late last night praying for you, and you might not believe this, but Dean and I, our team, we really, really love you. Like, we really do. Like you, you, you consume our thoughts. And we've been thinking about you all this week. And we're praying for you. We're not just talking about this. We're actually on our knees talking to God. Earlier this morning in our building, I saw staff all walking around praying. And I know what they're doing. They're, they're praying for you. They're praying for our community. And we so desperately want you to experience peace in the midst of a world that's really gone crazy. Because it's, it's available to us. So how do you do it? Give me 10 more minutes and we'll be done. Number one is this. I think, I think we need to put, put God back in the equation. We, we gotta, we've got to add God back into the equation. What am I, what am I asking you to do? Because sometimes we take matters into our own hands. Sometimes, we, sometimes we, we get so caught up in all the natural stuff that we forget God. And I'm asking you, daily or throughout the day is say, okay, God, maybe up your prayer time, up your worship time, up your word time, maybe, maybe something new. I know the kids are out of school and classes at the universities are displaced right now. Vacation times are displaced. The works, your employment's going to be displaced. Maybe start thinking about what, what if we gathered our family together and had a time of just prayer, short time of prayer and a short time of reading the Bible. What am I, what am I saying? Let's get God back in the equation, everybody. It's so easy during this time to get God out of the equation. I remember many, many years ago, my, my uh, 19-year-old son now was about eight years old at the time, and we had gone to church on a normal Sunday, just like this, and, and uh, his heart was started to elevate, started racing. So I asked a nurse that was there. She said, oh, I don't think it's too bad. Maybe he ate some chocolate or drank some caffeine or something. And just monitor it. And so we went home, and, and, um, and uh, about 4 o'clock, I was watching football. I went over and touched his heart, and it was just beating so fast. And so I said to Dina, I'm going to take him to the ER. She said, why don't you go to the urgent care? So I went over to the urgent care. And uh, we, as soon as we got in there, they, they checked him in. Next thing I know, all the doctors and all the, the staff came in our room and said, listen, we've called an ambulance. Your son's going to be rushed to the hospital. He's got his heart's beating at 220 beats a minute right now. And uh, that, he, and how long has it been beating for? I said, well, I don't know how long, but I think all afternoon. And they said, they were real serious about it. And so we got into the ambulance and we rushed over to the hospital and they, they rushed him in and, and they brought him in. And I'm a pastor, so I've been to a lot of hospital rooms and I've been to a lot of ERs and I understand, I can read, I can read sort of the environment I can see how people are responding and acting, and I kind of know when it's serious and when it's not. 
What, my, what I gathered was this is really, really serious. So he went into a small room. He's laying on the bed. And the doctor came in and he said, sir, he said, uh, he shook my hand and said, I'm so-and-so and your son has uh, tachycardia. His heart's beating this fast. It's not healthy for it to beat this long. And we're surprised he hasn't passed out already. It's been beating so long. He said, we're going to ask you uh, uh, to step aside. But in a moment, there's going to be a bunch of people in this room. And they're all going to gather in. It's a small room. He said, we're going we're gonna to have to do something to reset his heart. We're going to have to stop his heart. And, in, and when we're going to stop it, and we believe it's going to reset on its own. But if it doesn't reset, you're going to see all these doctors and nurses jump into action. Do you understand what we're getting ready to say? And I said, yes, sir. And we were in a small little room, closed off, not one of the curtain rooms, closed off. And there was about 10, 12 doctors and nurses in that one room and just little, my little guy and me. And I said, I understand. He said, okay, we're going to do it. I said, wait. I don't know if you're a Christian or not, but can we pray? And I love what the doctor responded. He said, I always need God. So I don't know if they're Christians or not, but I asked everyone to grab hands and hold hands. And we all circled around John Mark's bed. And I prayed. I, but I don't know what I prayed, but I know it was heartfelt. And I know that I, I needed God to show up at that moment. And all, all I'm asking you is, in the middle of all the news, in the middle of all the shutdowns, in the middle of all the, you know, the shortages and the work stoppages and the schools and all that, let's get God back in the equation, everybody, if you want to have peace. Here's the second thing I think would help us during this time. And Jesus said it like this. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I think that's what we really need is his peace right now. He said, I do not give it to you as the world gives. Here's what he's saying. The world's peace is based on circumstances. The world's peace is based on the, the stock market and the unemployment rate and are things going good and, and are you getting good reports and bad reports? He said, that's not the kind of peace I give. He said, but listen, even though I give you this peace, notice this phrase, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know what this shows me? It's possible to let your hearts be troubled during this time. He said, even though this is my peace to you, do not let. Here's, here's what I believe he's saying is, make a decision ahead of time. I choose not to live in fear. I choose to put trust in God. Here's what I'm saying. We have to live life inside out. We have to live life. Here it is. Not based on circumstances. We have to live life based on principles. We need to decide one time. This is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to choose to live my life based on what the Word of God says. I, I do not decide how I live each week. I make a decision one time that I'm going to base my life on the Word of God, that I'm going to base my life on the principles of God. And I'm making a decision right now that I'm choosing peace over fear. I'm choosing what God says about my situation versus what everyone else says about my situation. I'm choosing to believe that I know that my God will never leave me or forsake me. I'm choosing to believe that God said that I'm going to be an ever-present help in time of trouble and in time of need, everybody. I think we just have to make a decision ahead of time. I will not 
be ruled by fear because my God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I think it's time for us to make a decision. We, the church, we're going to be the church today. We're going to rise up and be exactly who God said we should be on the earth in the last days. Let me wrap it up with this thought. There's a psalm that's written. It's Psalm 91. And this psalm, let me set this up for you. This psalm is a psalm of protection. This psalm is what my pastor would say it was. He said it's a divine insurance policy. You know that most insurance policies, they pay after a tragedy hits. God's insurance policies, they pay before the tragedy hits. God, most insurance, if something bad happens, they'll just write you a check for all the damage done. Well, God does it differently. He says, hey, I'm going to protect you before that, that even hits you, before it even comes in. And here's what it says. I will say to the Lord, you are my place of safety and you're my protection. You are my God and I trust you, God. I think it'd be great to get that back in our mouths again. God, you are my God and God, I don't like everything going around, but I want you to know I trust you. God, he said, God will save you from hidden traps. Notice this language in deadly diseases. Yeah, man, this disease is serious. It's real. We're not, we're not dismissing it as not an important issue going on in society today. But I want you to know, everybody, I have a covenant with God. And he said, I'm going to deliver you from deadly diseases. But how do you do it? Starts off by these three words. I will say, number three, wrapping up right here, is this. I will declare God's word about my situation. So sometimes it just takes, and I know people think, well, this is just fringe Christianity. And can I just tell you, it's not fringe Christianity to confess the scripture, to confess and declare what God says about your life and about your situation. I just want to remind you, during this time, when we're talking about the news media, we're talking about all the reports that are coming out, can I remind you to confess what God says about this situation? That I will deliver you from traps and from deadly diseases. That's, that's the God that we serve. You know, and, and, and we got to get God's word in our mouth again. We got to start speaking and declaring what he says about our family, about our homes, about our schools, about our churches, about our communities, about our cities, and about our nation. Come on, everybody. That's what we need to do. Speak and declare that in our lives. Now, so grateful for our staff and leaders clapping. I hope you're clapping at home, too. And, uh, but what's happened in our modern-day theology. Our modern-day theology has been heavily influenced by two men that lived hundreds and hundreds of years ago. There's a guy named Calvin, and there's a guy named Arminius. And these two men really heavily have influenced the theology of the modern-day church. Calvin, he just believed in the absolute sovereignty of God, that what was going to be was going to be. You're just sort of puppets on this earth, and whether you get healed or not has nothing to do with you, only with God. Whether you get saved or not has nothing to do with you, only with God. Things have been predetermined. It's the extreme sovereignty of God. That's influenced a lot of people today. There's another guy named Jacobus Arminius. And he said, well, it's really not that. God did create the earth, but he kind of left that in our hands. And, and uh, whatever really happens in your life is really... Uh, not so much dependent on God, but super dependent upon you. Like God has no part in it. 
And you're just living life on this earth, and one day God will settle all the scores. And there were, the problem with all of that is, is with Armenianism, is this. It's, it's the little God and the big you. Like God doesn't have anything to do with it. It's all about you. And, you, and if you're not careful with that, you can get stuck in legalism and works and everything is working for God's grace, working for God's healing, working for God's power, working for God's salvation. And it just becomes super legalistic. You got one extreme that's, well, God, it's already been predetermined. And the other extreme where God has nothing to do with it. Well, the scripture says this, that God is right in the middle of that. That God is sovereign, but he's sovereign to his word. And God has spoken and he has, he has warned us that the day and the hour that we're living in today, he said, it's going to be, it's going to be different. It's going to be difficult. But in the midst of this, I want to be your protector. In the midst of this, I want to be with you. In the midst of this, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. In the midst of this, I'm still going to be your healer. I'm still going to be your protector. But he's going to ask us to declare that about our situation. And you know what? I challenge you, everybody at home. Get Psalm 91 out every day and start speaking it over your home. And what's going to happen is the same thing that happens in our home when we do this. You're going to sense like the very peace of God. Fear, which is real. It's like the wind. You can't see it, but you know it's real. It's going to be driven out. The waves and the things that you can see, they're going to start changing. Here's the rest of that psalm. I'm closing right here. It says, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you can hide. Who wouldn't want that? That's what I want to say about God. His truth will be my shield and my protection. You will not fear. That's where a lot of us are. It's, a, it's an epidemic of fear sweeping our nation. By, for any danger by night or an arrow during the day, I got you covered during the night and during the day. You will not, notice this, you will not be afraid of diseases that come in the dark. It's just simply saying that come out of nowhere. Just like, just like this COVID-19, it came out of nowhere. He says, you will not be afraid. Or the sickness that strikes at noon. At your side, man, around the world it might be happening. 1,000 people may die or even 10,000 right beside you. But you will not be hurt. Come on, everybody. Let's declare what God's word says about our situation. I'm just believing God for the very peace of God, the very power of God. And the very presence of God will flood our homes, flood our lives, touch our children's lives, touch our lives. And can I ask you, let's be the church. Let's rise up and be all that God's called us to be. Thank you for listening to the East Coast Believers Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. For more info about this podcast or other resources, visit eastcoastbelievers.org.